is to give an introduction to the structure of how the Mishnahs were written and how the Gemara was written. Because if we understand first what Rebbe had in mind when he wrote the Mishnah, what Ravashi had in mind when he wrote the Gemara, so we can understand much more what we, what we meant to do with it, how we meant to gain from it. So let's start with a question. Very often, we have a Mishnah, and we'll find the Gemara asks questions on the Mishnah, and the Gemara's answer is going to be, yeah, this is only according to one opinion. Or sometimes the Gemara will say, this is only in a certain circumstance. What are you talking about? In this case, the first Mishnah of When you have a case of fruit, which is Hafka, were we talking about in the case of a person was uh, gathering the fruits on the floor? It wasn't a regular case we think of. Or sometimes the Gemara says, Chisari Mechsara. There are a few words missing in the Mishnah, and we have to add them in, and then it makes more sense. And you can think, you know, if Rabbi spent such a long time writing the Mishnah, and it was such a major project, so if already, why don't you do it right? Write exactly the case you're talking about. If you're going according to opinion, then tell us who you're going according to. Don't leave words out. You know, do a good job. That the Mishnah should be clear. Why the Mishnah is confusing, unclear, and the Gemara is to come afterwards and try and explain to us where, what the Mishnah was saying. Now we understand the Mishnah. You know, if you look at the Rambam, for example, the Mishnah Baruch, or any other book just trying to summarize the Halacha, it's very clear. It doesn't leave itself un- unexplained that it needs to be a pirish. It needs someone to after us come and e- explain to us what was going on. So why couldn't Rabbi Nasi do the same thing with the Mishnah? And the answer is that when Rabbi Nasi wrote the Mishnah, he did it on purpose like that. It was specifically made in such a way. Why? Because Rabbi Nasi had a dilemma. On the one hand, there's a rule one's not allowed to write down Torah Shabbat The Torah, which is Torah Shabbat was transmitted from, from teacher to student by word of mouth from the time of Moshe Shabbat until then. And we have a passage in the Torah, it's meant to be LP, it's meant to be by word of mouth. It's not meant to be written down. On the other hand, Rabbi Yudhana said a problem. He saw that people were less able to remember as well, people were less able to learn. He saw that there was a time when the Romans were starting to be more strict about their persecution and there wouldn't be the ability to run the yeshivas and to teach. And if that's the case, there was a real possibility of the Torah being forgotten. And that's why he decided that in a case like this, with the, the alternative, if I don't write the Torah down, if it's going to get forgotten, I'm going to have to write it down. But, but, there was a reason why it was built there. There was a reason it wasn't written down in the first place. So what is that? So then we have two reasons. Two reasons why, the, why originally the Torah was meant to be transmitted by word of mouth. Not by reading a sefer. The first reason is if you're reading a sefer, you don't have the ability to see exactly why it was said or someone to explain to you what the sefer was. But you read what it says. Well, Hashem can, if, some, if you're listening to someone who's explaining to you, so they can give you the background, they can explain the reason. It's much more than just information. It's, it's the, the mystery of exactly what the Sefarah was, what the Nafkimina is going to be, how, how we look at such a halacha, or whatever it's going to be. In other words, 
the whole package deal, so to speak, when you hear from somebody who's transmitting information, is much more complete than just reading in the safe. If you look at any halakha in the Torah, it's like that. What does the Torah say about tefillin? Tie it on your hand. Tie what? Where on your hand? How are you meant to tie it? With what? With what? What's tefillin meant to be? The Torah says very little. But we have Torah well, there, so we know. Tefillin has to be a box, it has to be black, it has to be made out of leather, it has to be a certain shape. And you have to have a shin on the outside. And now inside you have to have four parishes and four separate compartments. And the rush and, and one separate compartment on the yard. All the details come to the Torah Shabbat. So that would be the first reason. That would be the first reason why it's important to have Torah Shabbat. The second reason, people don't make mistakes. If you have someone to ask and someone to check with, so then you can say, yes, I know this is the right halakha because this is what I heard from my teacher, I heard it from his teacher. We have a, tra- we have a tra- chain of tradition. But if a person is reading the safe and coming to his own conclusions, so he could misread it, he could misunderstand it. And therefore it's important that there should be a Messiah. So Rebbe had a problem. On the one hand, he doesn't want the Torah to be forgotten. And if he's relying only on an oral tra- tradition, so if the next generation don't have the opportunity to learn from their teachers because of persecution, because of the, the, the turmoil that there was in Eretz Yisrael, whatever the case would be, so they would never learn. And they would never know. On the other hand, if you're going to reduce the Torah to what's written, then people will lose the benefits of the tradition. Therefore, what did Rebbe do? Rebbe it's like this. Rebbe said, I'm going to write all the topics in the Mishnah. But, I'm going to write it in such a way that a person is still going to need to find the teacher to explain to him. And that way you solve both problems. A person won't forget a topic because the topics are all there. The Mishnah covers the range of topics of the Torah Shabbat Peh, wherever, wherever halacha, wherever discussion is going to be. But, if you just had the Mishnahis and that's all you had, then you attack it wouldn't understand. Because the Mishnahis are contradictory. Sometimes the Mishnah doesn't explain what it's talking about. And therefore, it's still going to force you to find the teacher to explain the mission to you. And therefore, everyone's going to gain both. On the one hand, you won't forget information because you have here a reference guide to all the various topics in the Torah. We have the Mishnahis. On the other hand, you won't be able to understand fully just from the Mishnahis because if you're trying to understand how halacha works or what's the case in the Mishnah and build from that, you're going to see it's not clear enough. And therefore, you'll have to find the Rebbe. You'll have to find someone who'll be able to give you that tradition. Okay, so that, that's as far as understanding Mishnahis goes. Now let's fast forward three, four hundred years beyond that. And now let's talk about how the Gemara was written. And this is what's much more practical for us because the Gemara is something we're spending most of our time working on. And now again, you have to understand, what was sort of Ashi's object in writing the Gemara? What was the goal? If you understand that Rabbi Nasi's point of writing the Mishnah was that we shouldn't forget the topics of the Torah. We shouldn't like, lose the whole discussion, the whole point. So you understand? It was mentioned in the Mishnahis. And in that case, the Mishnahis would be a good summary, so to speak, of all, the to- of all the topics we need to know. But the Gemara doesn't do that. The Gemara is not coming to summarize or in, or in brief remind us of topics. The Gemara is long discussions. And the Gemara has, brings arguments. And more than that, the Gemara often asks questions which it doesn't answer. It asks a question and it's an unresolved. There's a story that at the first Knesset Gedolah, where the two Gedolim present were the Chafetz Chaim and Rebbe Chaim Briska, 
So someone came over to Chaim Briska and asked him, when the Gemara asks questions, no, throughout the Shas, is it more often that the Gemara answers the question, or is it more often that the Gemara doesn't answer the question? So Chaim told him, it's more often the Gemara doesn't answer the question. Here's the question. The story goes that on the train home, Chavetz Chaim, who normally used to talk to the people around him, was very quiet. He was like lost in his own thoughts. No one to disturb him. And when they arrived back in Radin, Chavetz Chaim turned to the people around him and said, Rav Chaim's a genius. He said, I just went through Shast accounts and he's right. <laughs> There's more times that the Gemara doesn't answer the question. Okay, so it says something about the Chavetz Chaim too. But let's ask the question, why? Why would the Gemara do that? Why would the Gemara keep raising questions which it doesn't bother to answer? What's the point? What is Ravashi trying to do when you write the Gemara? And this is important for us because this is the... If we understand the, the way and the style the Gemara is written, so Mimela, when we learn a Gemara, we understand what we're meant to be doing with it. And the answer is like this. Ravashi wasn't trying to write a Halakha Sefer. Ravashi wasn't trying to write a Sefer that this is a reference to all the Halakhs which can come up and this is the answer. If that's the case, he would have written a Shulchan Aruch. Or a Rambam or something like that, which just gives you point by point halachas. That wasn't the that wasn't the point of writing the Gemara, and that's why Rav Ashi didn't feel obligated to come up with a halachic conclusion. It wasn't the point. The the the, the Gemara wasn't meant to be a sefer halacha. What was it meant to be? Rav Ashi saw what had happened since the time of the Mishnah being written until his time, and he saw that the Mishnah was fantastic. It was a basis for all the halachas. And as a result, it served, it served as a framework which, which is how everybody learns. And there's all the discussions and the arguments and the, the, the shivers of Babel, the greatest shivers of Narada, of Surah, of Pompadisa, of Mechaza, wherever the Gemara discussions were centered on, right, was really uh, a give and take to understand and clarify the Mishnahis. Now, in the course of those 300 years, the, the lifetimes of the Amarayim, of, of the sages of the Gemara, a fortune of cases came up which were discussed in the Mishnah. Right? The Mishnah didn't cover every possibility in every Gemara. What a, a case came up, a story happened, the question was asked. And we don't find an exact reference to it in the Mishnah. So what do we do now? The answer is, now you have to think about it. What's it more similar to? Where can you find the Raya, the proof? Right? And then, is it a good proof, or can you attack the proof? And we say, okay, it's not a good proof, we look for a different proof. Can you medaic it from the Mishnah, can you not medaic it from the Mishnah? Can you compare it to the case, or is it not the same as the case? And therefore, the avoider, the learning, the process of learning of the Amaraim was, those things which aren't written in the Mishnah, it's a, the process of understanding, or trying to apply our minds to, how do we compare this to the Mishnah? How are we going to get, how are we going to bring it from the, Cases we know about to new cases. Now, Ravashi understood that this process was going to carry on. Because, however comprehensive a safer is going to be, it will never ever cover every possibility. Never. It's impossible. And not only that, it will not cover every possibility right now, but the world develops and things change. Right? You can look at any safer Allah, the Shulchanar, the Rambam, the Mishnah, whatever you want. You read Lerna Hilcha Shabbos. Thoroughly. And then you ask the question, what's the din of a microwave on Shabbos? What's the din of using cell phones on Shabbos? 
What's the din of breaking infrared beams on Shabbos? And you're not going to find it anywhere. Because these things didn't exist at the time. So what are we meant to do? What are we meant to do? If our, our knowledge of halacha, our knowledge of Torah is based on a Messiah, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. There wasn't a Messiah about these things, so it didn't exist. What's the bracha on sushi? No one talks about it. No one, I'm saying, none of the voices talk about it. None of you what it was. Right? And I can go through every area of halacha and give you some of the examples. Things change. New cases come up. So that's the case. What are we meant to, how are we meant to answer that? These things don't fit into the category of let's see what it says in the Sefer and, and, and Paskin based on that or not, not do based on that because there isn't a Sefer. And therefore what Ravashi understood was exactly what the Chachmei Babel did for the 300 and 400 years between, before the Gemara was written. And that is, we have to learn how to apply the rules of the Mishnahs. We have to learn how to think and we have to learn how to, to look at the Mishnah and say, is this a proof? Is it not a proof? Is there an extra word we can medike? Is there a spar here which will apply to this case also? We have to be able to develop our own way of thinking so that we can use the material we have in order to develop further and apply it to a different case. Which, like I said, was, was the style of learning of the Gemara. The Gemara, everything which comes in the Gemara, any new discussion, any question, where are they going to go to? We go back to the Mishnahs, the Brises maybe, and we look for a proof and we discuss it and we argue it. And therefore, what Ravashi was trying to do when you write the Gemara was, since I'm saying it, what Ravashi was trying to do when you write the Gemara was to teach us how to think. To teach us how to think. Learn how to bring a proof. Learn how to follow an argument. Learn how to destroy a proof. Learn how to, learn how to weigh up if something's logical or not. And therefore, the, the topics which the Gemara brings were chosen as the points where you see how the Amaroim utilized this, this skill. What's a proof? What's not a proof? And sometimes the Gemara bring a proof from a Brisa and the Gemara will knock it off. It's not a good proof. So learn from that. Why is it a good proof? And sometimes the Gemara will say that the Gemara is an extra case. It must be that case, not this case. Can you make an inference like that? Can you not make an inference like that? When yes, when not. And sometimes the Gemara is going to ask questions based on the logic. Is it more similar or is it less similar? Is it a Kaal V'chaim or is it not a Kaal V'chaim? And, what's the, and therefore, what Ravashi focused on in the Gemara was the discussion, the give and take. The questions and answers, the proofs and the disproofs, because that's the way to train yourself to think. That's the way to train yourself to think. And that's what the Gemara is trying to do. It's trying to train you how to think. So that that way, when something new comes up that the Gemara didn't talk about, I don't have a Gemara, but I have a skill. And now I can use the same logic myself. I can go through the same process myself. Look for proofs. Are there proofs? Are there not proofs? Look, look for a svara. Is it a good svara? Is it not a good svara? The, the, this, the Talmud teaches me how to refine my skills in applying the halakha to a new case, in learning one thing from another. And if you see all the Rishonim, Akhrainim, all the Chavasvarim, that's exactly the skill they use. Right? When a Taisus wants to argue with Rashi, he goes through the same the tools that the Gemara goes through. Rise, for rise against. What's the Svar, what's not the Svar? When the Rashi was a Shaila, the Chavas Rashi, or or the Nodabiyoda, or the Ktesachoshin, or whatever it's going to be. You look at them, you follow the Svara, you follow the the way that they're trying to explain, understand, argue, prove. It's all the tools of the Gemara. And therefore, the, the point of the Gemara was to teach us how to think. To teach us how to think, to teach us how to understand, and how to explain something, how to bring a proof. And therefore, to what we said before, 
it didn't make a difference to Rav Ashi if he didn't answer the questions he asked. His point wasn't to give you halakhul amaisa. His point was ask the question and see if you can find the raya. And if you can find the raya, good, we'll discuss the raya. And if you can't find the raya, then we don't have a proof. So that's good. So now we know there isn't a proof. Now what's the, what's the halakha going to be? Okay, the rules in halakha. It didn't interest him. The idea was, you must understand, when can we prove something? When, 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 when do we, when do we uh, destroy the proof? It's not a good proof. You can deflect it. And that's the ikat skill to learn. And therefore the Gemara is very happy to leave things as kasha, as taiku, as whatever it's going to be. Because that wasn't the point of the Gemara. The point was, we don't have any more rice. We've gone through the rice we could bring, and we've destroyed every raya, and therefore what's the halakha? No, we don't have a raya. And understand, we're happy with that. That's a, that's a good solution to a, a sugi. We don't have a raya. And that's also the way the Gemara is constructed. That it, goes, it brings a question, goes, it, it, follows the question it follows the Gemara there to, to try and prove something, and the Gemara will disprove it, or go a different direction. It's training a person's mind how to think. You see a question about Matthias, you bring your eye from Bukhairis. You see a, a question of here, you bring your eye from Tyrus. Why? Because of this, you have to understand how to apply one thing to something else. And how the, the halakha we see over here is going to affect somewhere else. That's the skill we meant to learn from the Gemara. And therefore, that's the introduction of the point I wanted to say next. And that is, we're speaking about what we're meant to gain from learning. What we're meant to gain from learning. But Amos would be meant to take out of the Gemara. Obviously, the information in the Gemara is extremely important. We want to remember it. But the skill we want to take from the Gemara is exactly where Ravashi wrote it. That we've trained ourselves how to think in the Gemara style. How to follow the Gemara's argument, how to think the Gemara style, so that when we have to try and work out something on our own, we've been trained with the tools of the Gemara. And we're thinking in the same way that the Gemara will think. There's a Gemara in Gitin on the Zainamul Base. And the Gemara that is discussing, one of the Amaraim, not doesn't come up too often, that is talking about one of the Amaraim whose name was Rav Evyasar. Rav Evyasar. And the Gemara says, no, was Rav Yasser an Adam Gadol? And Rav Yosef in the Gemara says, I don't think Rav Yasser is an Adam Gadol, because he forgot there's a, there's a dinner of Rav Yitzchak which he didn't know. And Abayah says back to him, if someone doesn't know a certain dinner, it doesn't mean he's not an Adam Gadol. As long as his swara is straight. As long as the way he has his thinking is right, that's not an Gadol. He says, if you were to tell me he doesn't think logically, then that's not an Adam Gadol. That he can understand. He didn't have, he happened not to have heard the Salakha, okay. Not even not everyone knows everything. That's a very important point. In other words, what's the, the Gemara's litmus test of an Aram Gadol, the scale of Aram Gadol is, does he think straight? Does he think straight? Does he know how to think? Does he, that, that, yes. He doesn't know everything? A good person doesn't know everything. And therefore, let's go back to what we said before. We're trying to build an approach how to learn effectively. And we already spoke about it in the previous slide. The best way to do that is when you've learned the Gemara, get used to saying it outside. To repeating step by step what happens. Now, last time I spoke about it, I was talking about the mind of using your active mind. And that's 100% true. I don't know how many of you have tried this. At the beginning, I'm sure you found it very difficult. Because you're not used to using your mind. You're used to just reading and taking it in like passively. But you'll find that when you get used to having to go through the steps of the Gemara outside step by step, it makes things much clearer for you. But now we come to a second reason why it's important. And that is, 
That's the way to follow the logic of the Gemara. To read the words inside. So you, you can read them, you can translate them, you know what the information the Gemara said. But it's not, it's not the best way to follow the logical process of the Gemara. I'm just reading what it says. It's like reading a given text. I, he said, he said, he said, he said. I'm not following the logic of where it's going. When I have to construct it again, so besides what you're saying, the Gemara said this, and the Gemara asked that, and the Gemara will arrive from here. Follow the logic. What's the question? What's the proof? What's the disproof? And I get used to thinking, this is how you bring a proof. This is how you destroy the proof. This is how you connect something. This is as far. Right? When I say something out, then we may I'm constructing the logic of the Gemara, not just the words. And the that's what's important, because that's, how, that's what trains a person to, to, to the way the Gemara thinks. So the, Gemara, the way the Gemara, so to speak, mind works. You want our minds, our minds to work the same way. So, we've already said that the first thing one does after finishing a whole piece of Gemara without interruptions, I want to see what the Gemara said first. You've seen the whole piece of Gemara? Good. Close the Gemara. Turn the page. Stay over outside. Can I follow step by step? The Gemara said what the Gemara asked, what the Gemara one opinion, the second opinion, whatever it is. Can I stay outside? Good. That's our second step. Now we're going to our third step. Do the same thing again, but add in the logic. Explain what the Gemara is trying to do. Where's the Gemara going? And this is a very common thing. A person can follow a sugya, so I won't say, okay, so we've brought a lot of points. Where do we get to? Where do we get to? Where do we start off and where do we get to? The Gemara started with a question. Did the Gemara answer the question? Did the Gemara stay with the question? Because, like the Chavetz Chaim decided, and Chaim also came to the conclusion, very often you'll see that the Gemara, after all the proofs up and down and discussions, we have, we, we back to where we started. We never answered the question. That's important. That's important. Did we get to an answer or not? Did the Gemara's starting point and the Gemara's end point remain the same? Or did something change? Very often you'll see in Rashi, he starts with a Kasakadat, of the Gemara thought a certain way. And along the line, the Gemara changes the way it thinks. There was a proof, so the Gemara accepts the proof. Fine, so now we've changed the way we thought. We originally thought like this, and now we come out like that. And like I said, following the flow of the Gemara, the logical flow of the Gemara, is how a person builds that logic in their own mind. And if you talk about how does a person develop the skill for thinking, the, the skill for analysis, the skill for bringing proofs, the skill for understanding how to extrapolate from one case to another case, that's the skill of what you learn from the Gemara. The Gemara was constructed carefully in a way to teach us how to think. And that's what I've actually focused on, the arguments, the discussions, the proofs, the disproofs, the logic. Because that's, what's much, that's what he wanted to impart to Klai Yisrael. How are you going to learn how to think? So that, that way, whenever a new situation comes up, you'll be able to implement your mind to come to a conclusion. Without that, we'll be stuck. I've heard from a number of friends of mine who teach Allah in various places. He said, not teacher of Bakum, whatever, just in general society. He said, very often you can teach people halakha, and they'll revise it, and they'll know what you said 100%. But if you ask them a question a little bit different to what you taught them, they get completely lost. It wasn't on the text. You never taught us that case. What are you going to do? And it's true. Why? It's true, because they've never learned how to apply one thing, to the, the logic, to somewhere else. They've learned how to memorize information. And yes, you can memorize a tremendous amount of information, you can know it, and that's good. But you'll never know everything because there's always new options. So now one second. What does it need a person to do? What is the principle of the halacha? What is the rule? And how does it apply over here? Right, so if, for example, if I was teaching the halachas of cooking and Shabbos, and I'll tell you, the halacha is, you're not allowed to bake in Shabbos. You're not allowed to fry things in Shabbos. You're not allowed to cook things in Shabbos. Okay, so you write that down. Very good. Now let me ask you a question. Are you allowed to barbecue things in Shabbos? 
So I didn't say that. It wasn't one of the examples I gave you, right? But you all understand it's the same process. Right? If you can't use heat to cook things in Shabbos, what's the difference if it's in an oven or it's on a barbecue? You understand exactly the same thing. Okay, but that's a little bit more complicated. Right? Are you allowed to pickle things in Shabbos? Now, you would think maybe, what's the, what's the connection? That's not heat. Okay, so now we have to know the rules. But that, right? The halacha is that malach, salting something on Shabbos, is also also. We have to understand why. Is it what's the same as? Why, is it, why would it be also? But that's what I'm saying. That the, the, the understanding of the principle is what brings the person that now that I know the rule, I can apply it more. So that's some of what we said. Three things. Firstly, Torah Shabbat is meant to remain Torah Shabbat. It's, meant, it's not meant to be just read everything in a book and you know the information. Why? Mainly because no book will ever be comprehensive enough. There will always be more than what it's written. And the person has to understand that. And that's why originally the Torah was transmitted by word of mouth. That way when a person teaches, he automatically teaches the rules. He automatically teaches the, every, the, the understanding. And that's, the student who hears it knows what, knows what was taught. But when Rabbi felt there was a reason, a need to write it down so that things don't get forgotten... So he didn't write it down that the mission is a be-all and end-all, that the mission is good enough on its own, because then people wouldn't need to come to look for a teacher. He wrote the Mishnah as keywords. He wrote the Mishnah as topic headings. But learning the Mishnah, you get confused. And therefore, it would still need the person to find the teacher to explain to him why the Mishnah is not a contradiction of the different Mishnah, what case the Mishnah is talking about, exactly what, who, according to who the Mishnah is going. You still need the teacher. And when Ravashi came along, he understood that Klaish had gotten to the stage where they wouldn't have that anymore. They wouldn't always be able to find a teacher who would know the background and be able to tell them that this is the rule and that's why this is how it applies in every case. And therefore, what was needed was an ability to work on the process of analysis, the process of logic, so that you can come to it yourself. And therefore, the Gemara was constructed to teach a person how to think. So that way, now when a new question comes up and the Rav has to deal with it, whether the Rav is the Shulchan Aruch or the Shach or the Magnavram or the Mishnabura, whoever else is going to be, he has the principles of analysis to understand what's similar to, how can I compare this, how can I use this? And that's the Koyach and Gemara. And that's why we make, we, we make an Ikka focus of learning the Gemara. Not because you're going to come at passing halakhas from the Gemara. Normally you can't. Normally you don't necessarily pass out of the Gemara, and normally the Gemara doesn't come to a conclusion either. But if a person wants to have this, the, the understanding and the ability to understand, to, to use his logic, to build his, what we call his, his das, and how to learn. What's the correct way to learn? That's where we start from. That's what the Gemara is meant to, meant to give us. But, now if you know this rule, just translating Sugis and knowing what the Gemara said isn't going to do it. And all if, if The way I'm learning is just I'm translating the words in the Gemara and writing the English translation so I know I can read. The Gemara said, the Gemara answered, the Gemara answered, and I've finished the daf like that. So yes, I learned the words the Gemara said, but I'm missing out the main point. The point of the Gemara is develop the logic. Learn how to use the logic. The best way to do that, say it out. The Gemara asks the question, what's the question? The Gemara tries to answer, where's the proof? What's the logic? Did the Gemara enact the logic? No, the Gemara didn't. Why not? What was wrong with the logic? Because when we get used to doing that, then we start to think through the Gemara. And we start to understand the logical process in the Gemara. And then we get to gain what the Gemara is there to teach us. We can develop for ourselves that same kayak of analysis, that same ability to understand and to how to apply halakha, how to compare one thing to the other thing, which is the reason what the Gemara is written for, and that's what we want to learn. That we have that ability not just to know what it says, but to understand it.
So, it's then, eventually, also, the other thing will be able to apply it.